We are I. Financial services in this world, in the Western world, don't really make a whole lot of sense to me. I don't know if I've actually ever talked about this on the podcast before, but this is conversations that I have lots in in real life. And, you know, I had this conversation with somebody that I work with yesterday that I actually met for the first time in person. It was nice to meet him because, you know, he's such a great guy. You know, like we've we've got along so well for the last, you know, couple of years virtually and there's no real reason why we couldn't have met up sooner it was more just you know ease you know we always talked over the phone or via email you know we've been a part of like multiple video chats you know like with clients and blah 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 you know but one of the things that we were talking about yesterday is the astonishing fact to me that it's easier for it's easier for people to borrow, or it's easier for people to get access to hundreds of millions of dollars than it is for most people to get access to hundreds of thousands. And I don't get that. I, I really don't understand that. And I'll put this in a little bit of context that I've seen firsthand, you know, like somebody who is able to pay their mortgage, you know, because they prioritize having a home versus going out and drinking and doing drugs, smoking cigarettes, doing all these things, and even a lot of just personal healthy things, but cost money. But on paper, because some of the other things are factored in, it may look like that they can't technically afford their mortgage, but they can because they will sacrifice everything else in their life to be able to make that mortgage payment and make that property tax payment you know, and make that insurance payment. They will do that. They will not have a cup of coffee. They will sacrifice a meal. They will do all those things to be able to make sure that those bills are paid. But on paper, it looks like that that's going to be challenging for them. But they're they're up for that challenge. But it's easy to knock that person into a B-class lending where, you know, like the risk is higher than, ironically, the interest rates are higher than they have to pay more, which then how does that make sense? Which, you know, all this thing, but it's so tough. You have, you know, signing your life away, your kid's life away, your dog's life away, you know, like, you know, submitting these hundred documents. And you still might not get approved. I've seen this happen multiple times. Or for somebody like me who's always been a business owner, where then you have to fight to have a stated income where you can prove six ways from Sunday where that you can make a mortgage payment. But because you own your own business, you know, like then you get into this stated income category. You know, and there's other reasons why you get into a stated income category too, but like this is this is it. So then it becomes this fight, this arm wrestle, this this battle back and forth because there's just these generic boxes when you're at such a low class of lending. There's these generic boxes that you have to check. And then you're dealing with a lot of people who have no authority to think outside of that box, nor do they even want to. No, they just want to be able to take paperwork and 
press send on an email or forward on an email so that paperwork goes into this mysterious other inbox and then all of a sudden comes back and gets approved or saying we need these other 10 documents. They can't and don't want to do anything over and above that. Now, I've seen somebody who was an American citizen who didn't live in America, who lived in a different... Actually, no, sorry, I'm going to spin this back because that's actually not even true. This is how convoluted this is. It's a French national whose businesses are based out of the United States who lives in another country for tax purposes so he doesn't have to pay tax, bought a home in Canada, cash, for 3x the actual price of what homes would be, you know, in that area. Cash, he paid cash, closed cash. So you can think of the ball of wax this is. So, you know, you go through traditional lending sources because it's like now this person you know has this company in the United States who owns this other Canadian company who has no like assets or anything strictly for this one purpose is to buy this property and it's not even a rental it's not generating any income but this this company buys this this property so you know what I mean take this to like a traditional lender because again they're not even gonna be able to think outside the box in this one involves thinking way the fuck outside of the box, way outside of the box. But then you finally find a and it a tier one financial institution that's willing to be able to write some more because this person's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Theoretically, I still find the formulation of how people come to that very questionable, but they have. And how the even though this person doesn't technically make an income, they were imputed an income that ironically could pay for the mortgage of this place if they chose to take it out. And how generally simple this process was with how convoluted that situation looks. And it's astonishing to me like how because these people look at this guy is the ability to be able to generate income for this tier one institution. That they're willing to overlook so many red flags that just don't make any sense. And for years, I worked on this file. Two years, I worked on this file. And it fucking blew my mind because it makes no sense. Still to this day, I question what I miss. And it never ended up closing because the guy who bought this place just decided to walk away from the deal after literally working on this file. I think it was for a year and a half or two years, like absolutely ridiculous. Like it was wild, but that's just the name of the game. But you speed this up into another avenue. I have a really good friend who owns a company. It's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And all they want is $30 million of funding. So they can get from the mid hundreds of millions up to that billion dollar valuation so they can go public and then sell or go public and he can keep riding the wave. So we're going to these different financial institutions, these different lenders, and you get to these people. It's like, yo, okay, you know, 30 million. That's great. 
we can approve the 30 million, but do you want 100? Well, no, we don't want 100 because we don't want to dilute the share price. We don't need 100 million. There's no point in taking the 100 million. We only need 30. So you want to be responsible to the shareholders of this company. Okay, we'll come back when you need 100 million. Are you sure you don't want 100 million? We'll give you the 100 million right now. No, no, I only want the 30 million. Sorry, we can't do that. It's not enough money. Deal's not big enough for us. If you want the 100 million, we'll write you the check right now. No, I don't want the 100 million. It's like, how the fuck does that make any sense? Legitimately, you have somebody saying, I have this company that's worth all this money. I don't want to be dishonest. I want to be responsible to my shareholders, which this financial institution would become a vested interest in this company. So you think that they would want the share price to stay high as well. So you think they would want him. That, that would be the biggest green light there by the CEO saying that I want to maintain the share value. So I don't want to take that much. When you think that that, comp- that tier one financial institution would say, you know what? That's actually great. Let's give them the 30 million. Do you think it happened? No, because they wanted to give the 100 million. You know, working on a different deal that's worth, it's a developer wanting to develop some land. Total project costs $124 million. Talking to this gentleman out in New York, he's like, the actual deal size is not big enough. Do you have another deal that we can, you know, piggyback on, you know, so we can boost up the dollar value of this transaction so that it becomes more appealing? Well, this developer is like, actually, I'd like to acquire this parcel of land that's worth between $180 and $190 million of just the land value. Never mind the construction. They're like, oh, okay, well, that's a little bit better. And I'm like, what the fuck? So it's like, call it 200 million for the land on this project. This other project's 124 million. The construction on this other project is going to be hundreds of millions of dollars. So you don't want to give the guy the financing, the debt and equity finance for the $124 million project alone to test the waters to see if this developer is credible, which he is, and it's clearly and easy to tell. However, you want to creep this up closer to a billion dollars to be able to make it more worth everybody's time? How the fuck does this shit make sense? How does that make sense? But you can start to see how financial crises take place. And how when... The hammer drops, it's a fucking anvil. Because that's how the financial world exists. And it's shocking to me. Absolutely shocking. I don't know why I got on this little rant today. I think it's because in my mind, I want to be able to justify all of that somehow. Rationalize it, but I can't. So maybe I just need to talk about it and just get it off my mind. (laughs) 